Okay, before I jump into the message proper, um, a quick announcement uh, that I wanted to make sure was included on the recording. Uh, based upon the world as we know it, uh, at this particular moment, uh, on Sunday, May 24th, uh, it is the intent of the local board administration to move forward with holding an indoor family worship service next Sunday, May 31st at 10 a.m. Um, so, um, there you go. Thanks for not honking. Um, <clears throat> We're still finalizing the details. Uh, we're making a number of adaptations uh, that, in our best effort, uh, to move forward safely. Uh, I encourage you to watch your mailbox, uh, watch social media uh, for information during the course of the week to come. And please know that we covered your prayers and understanding as we move forward. So now you were all paying attention. I wanted you to hear that. It will hurt my feelings if you leave right now uh, because I've worked really hard on this message. But um, I want to talk today a bit uh, under the title of what is a Memorial Day. <clears throat> and uh, my message will actually consist of two distinctly different parts. Uh, the first will include some reflections on our national holiday that we call Memorial Day. And the second will be some thoughts gathered around our gathering here today. Just a quick history lesson. Some of you probably know it far better than I do. But I want to remind us um, about the holiday that we call Memorial Day. Over the years, it's become identified with a lot of different things. Uh, especially on a day like this, we're reminded that this is kind of like the unofficial start of summer, the first three-day weekend. It's the start of camping season. It's the start of gardening season. Back when I was coming up, it was the start of bass season, but now they fish all the time. But I think you can actually start keeping them, not that anybody keeps bass anymore. Uh, but anyway, that's kind of what Memorial Day represents. Um, it's the official transition to summer wardrobes. That's why I got to wear this shirt today. Diana said I could, but I couldn't wear it up until Memorial Day weekend. Um, no, you won't see me in white pants because that's just not a thing for me. Uh, but it's also a time, if you look across the street at the cemetery and you see all the flowers and throughout the course of the weekend, there will be a lot more people over there visiting than, than usually is uh, because Memorial Day has come to be a time when we remember loved ones who have passed. And while all those have a degree of validity, uh, they can in some ways distract us from what I would say is the reason for the season. <clears throat> I suspect that each year we may drift a little bit farther and farther away from the original intent of Memorial Day. And what I want to do today is especially invite parents of younger children to make sure... Uh, we're just going to let that go. So uh, I just want to invite parents uh, of young children to make sure you help your children remember what Memorial Day is. And I'll start by saying what it's not. Memorial Day is not Veterans Day. That's on November 11th, and that's when we honor those who have served. It's not Armed Forces Day. That was actually last Saturday, third Saturday in May, and that's designed to honor those who are currently serving. Memorial Day is specifically honoring those who died in military service to our country, people who died so that we can have the freedoms that we have Throughout history, most cultures have found ways to honor those who died in battle. Because of the sheer volume of our citizens who died during the Civil War, that practice took on new meaning within our country. 
initially the north and the south because of even once that terrible war was over, there was deep division. Initially, the north and the south had their own decoration day traditions and practices, and they became increasingly prevalent in the 1860s. And then beginning in the 1880s, the name gradually began to change to Memorial Day, with the name becoming official not until 1967. That's kind of the historical perspective, and I just want to share a little bit of my perspective. I've noticed that my sense of appreciation and respect for those who serve, and especially for those who died in service to our country, continues to increase as I mature. I think the more life that I live, the more experience that I have, the more I grasp the fact that freedom is not free, and that's not just a catchy saying, but rather it comes at an incredibly high price that must continually be paid. It's interesting because one of my pandemic activities has been watching the military channel more than I normally would have. And when I see, especially I've been right now on a binge with World War II, and when I see the hundreds of thousands of people uh, going into a single battle and the catastrophic toll that it took, I realize my perspective is changing. Personally, I was coming of age at the time when the Vietnam War was winding down because of the political climate and because my worldview at the time was being shaped predominantly by for lack of a better term, anti-military sources, I did not have a high regard for the prospect of military service, nor for the sacrifices being made by those who served. And I've said before, that is a view that I have deeply come to regret over the years. And I just want to remind us that while we may sympathize with them, while we may care for them, while we may pray for them, while we may try to support them, I don't think that those of us who have not been directly impacted by having a loved one serve or having a loved one be killed in service can fully appreciate the burden that is felt by those families who have had that experience and perhaps some of you here. It's interesting, just this week on the news, I was watching and there was one of our uh, leaders of our current military who was placing flags on the graves at Arlington National Cemetery. Maybe some of you heard it, but he, he said this, He said, for those who have lost a loved one in battle, every day is a Memorial Day. And I thought, you know what? Um, I, I love celebrating all that Memorial Day represents. For me, for virtually, I mean, literally my entire life up until about five years ago, our family had a reunion every Memorial Day. And that was really significant to me but I don't want us to lose sight of what it's intended to be. So regardless of how you may feel about any particular military engagement, I simply want to challenge you today to make sure you consistently convey an attitude of respect for our military, and especially for those who died in service. That's why we have a holiday called Memorial Day. Now I want to spend the bulk of my time, or the remainder of my time, uh, talking about our gathering here today. Given that this is our first meeting following a global event that, in my opinion and the opinion of many others, will undoubtedly change 
the local Christian church for the rest of our lives, I invite you to think a bit about a different type of Memorial Day. I'm going to offer you a quick uh, Old Testament survey, really quick. Obviously, creation in Genesis, and then in Genesis 12, God called a man named Abraham, and he said, I'm going to, through you, build up a nation of people who will be special to me, who will be my chosen people. And this people, as they grew, they flourished for a season, but over the course of generations, they ended up in slavery to the Egyptians. And they were in slavery for several centuries. Eventually, in response to the cries of his people, under Moses' leadership, God miraculously rescued his people through the Exodus. And again, you may remember the stories, the, the ten plagues and the Exodus and the parting of the Red Sea. And as they left there, it was God's dream and his vision to lead his chosen people into a promised land that he was preparing just for them. But as they left Egypt and they entered into the wilderness, a season of disobedience led to them having to wander in the desert for 40 years. At the end of that time, Moses dies, and his right-hand man, Joshua, takes over leadership for God's chosen people. And they, once again, were preparing to enter into that promised land. And and that's where I want us to zero in for a bit today. In Joshua chapter 1, they're literally looking across the Jordan River at the land God is promising them. And in Joshua chapter 1, God speaks to Joshua, and he casts a vision for what he wants from Joshua and what he wants for his people as they move forward to claim that promised land. In Joshua chapter 2, they do some reconnaissance. They send some spies into the promised land to see, you know, let's get a feel for what it's going to look like for us to move forward. That's Joshua 1, Joshua 2. In Joshua chapter 3, it's, it's almost go time. And Joshua says to the people, as they're getting ready to move forward in a momentous fashion, he says, consecrate yourselves. Renew your level of commitment to me, because I'm going to do something great among you. And they spend some time doing everything within their power to restore renew, revitalize their relationship with God. And then it was time for them to step out. And again, they're crossing a river with hundreds of thousands of people, and they have to be prepared when they get to the other side to do battle. And God says, here's the plan. Joshua, take the priests who are tasked with the responsibility of carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which represents my presence. And the river's going to be flowing. But when they set foot in the river, I'm going to stop the water. Now, Pat and I were just talking briefly about uh, the floods in Midland and what a horrific visions those were. But to think about, I, I just scratched my head, what happened to the water? Did the folks upstream have a terrible flood? Did the folks downstream have a terrible drought? I, I don't know. 
But when they stepped in the water with the Ark of the Covenant and walked to the middle, it stopped. And I just can't help but wonder what it was like for the priest who was first in line carrying the Ark of the Covenant. It's like, okay. But it worked. They stepped in, the water stopped, and the priest stood in the center of the river after it stopped while hundreds of thousands of people passed by. And that's where I really want to pick up today is once they stood there, everybody's across. Joshua has them do something unique. In Joshua chapter 4, listen as I read from Joshua 4. It says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe. Tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Then he continues a bit later in that same chapter, and it says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal Gilgal, the twelve stones they had taken from the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. With that story as a backdrop, I want to share, or I want us to remember three things today. First, beautiful day. Great to be here. After what we've been through, I'm as glad as you are to be here. But I think it's imperative that we remember why we're here today. Perhaps our foundation has been shaken like we were hit with an earthquake. But we must not lose sight of the fact that we have a rich history of facilitating life change before this disruption. Not perfect, but making a difference. And there is every reason to expect that that will continue. I would suggest that we remember why we're back. It's not just because it's our right. It's not just because we have now been politically deemed essential. We're back because there are still people who need to experience for the first time a life-changing, real, personal love relationship with God. We are back because there are still people 
who need to continue to grow and develop in that real, personal, life-changing love relationship with God. That's us, folks. We're back because in some form or another, we need the church to be a part of our ongoing spiritual development. I would hope that one of the things that we've learned through this is yes, the church has a crucial role to play in our spiritual development, but we also have a responsibility for our own spiritual growth and development. We're back because in some form or another, we need the church to assist us with our personal efforts to help guide others to Christ. And we're back because the church needs us because together we are more effective agents of transformation than we are individually. We may experience a makeover, but we are still the body of Christ, where each part is necessary for the body to be at its best. Whether they realize it or not, the world around us needs the local Christian church. And I would suggest that we remember what matters moving forward. Think again about the stone memorial from Joshua chapter 4. Again, picture that image. The river stops. Hundreds of thousands of people cross. And then when they camp that night, they construct just a simple stone pile. And then probably the next day, they broke camp and moved on. Most of those present that night when the memorial was built would probably never revisit it. But yet it was something significant in their heritage. I suspect that I'm not alone in saying that on many levels, I'm still grieving that in some ways caring community will not go back to the way things used to be, just the way things used to be. I believe, for better and perhaps for worse, we've been changed forever. But it's up to us to remember the importance of moving forward. When they constructed that Joshua 4 memorial, sometimes we lose sight of that. I mean, that, that's just a cool story, isn't it? That's why... Todd was gracious enough to build a pile of stones for us, just to give us an image there. A cool story. God stops the river, they cross. What a cool deal. Build a build a monument to remember. Sometimes we forget in Joshua chapter 4 that there's a whole lot yet to come. When they constructed that Joshua 4 memorial, there were intense battles still to come. They hadn't even started to fight yet. There were some amazing victories, and there were also some devastating losses. Obviously, no one, in spite of what you read on the Internet, no one anticipated the challenges that we've faced over the past three months. And I think it's fair to say none of us fully comprehend the obstacles we have ahead of us. As I think about the Israelites and the Joshua 4 memorial, as they moved forward from that moment, their successes came 
as they walked in obedience and unity. Read Joshua, folks. Their successes came when they walked in obedience and in unity. And their defeats came when they didn't. It's just that simple. The Joshua 4 memorial was meant to remind them, as I read earlier, that God had been with them, that God was with them, and that God would be with them. So I think about that's what it meant to them. But what I'm excited about is what we read in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was with the Israelites before, if he was with the Israelites during, and if he was with the Israelites after, then I believe that he has been with us all along, and he will be with us as we move forward. What I take away from that personally is that as we move forward, it is imperative that we remember together we are God's people, serving in God's church, striving to fulfill God's mission to a broken and dying world. Those who've been listening or watching over the past several weeks know that I've been teaching from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And I'm going to close today with some words that, to some of you, are probably familiar by now. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Would you pray with me, please? Father, when I think about uh, Joshua, when he challenged the people to consecrate themselves, I think about Paul's prayer. And Father, I pray for us as your people who call ourselves Caring Community Church. I pray that as we move forward, whatever it looks like, I pray that our love will abound more and more. Love for you love for one another, and love for those who don't yet walk with you. I pray that that love may abound more and more in both knowledge and depth of insight, in understanding and application of that understanding. I pray that we individually and collectively might be empowered to discern what is best that together and individually we might be found to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That individually and collectively we will increasingly be filled with the fruit of righteousness that can only come through Jesus Christ and that will always be to the glory and praise of God our Father. Ask these things in the full presence and power of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.